Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers. The only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals. From the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Welcome back to Outlaws and Gunslingers with your host, Bang and Dang, and we are on to part two of Jonestown, the largest and most famous mass suicide slash, I don't know, I guess some people call it the, um, yeah, they did drink some liquid. <laughs> some people call it the Jonestown Massacre. I guess yes. it was a massacre, but uh, definitely a mass suicide for sure. Uh, where we left off last week, we went through how... Uh, Jonestown came to be in Guyana and pretty much the ways that uh, Jim Jones brainwashed his people with constant messages over the loudspeakers while they're working in the thing and giving them all sorts of medicine to pretty much make them zombies. So they're going to conform. And um, yeah, evil guy studies Adolf Hitler, Mm -hmm. Chinese emperors and North Korean leader Kim Song-ul or Un or whoever the hell it was back then. Um, Yeah. And he's a lover. He's a Mother Russia lover. So, yeah. Now he's all paranoid that the Guyanese government's going to take him over. And um, several several people calling themselves the concerned relatives, who are former members or members or uh, family members of current members, have right. um, contacted a bunch of senators. And one senator responds and says, "Hey, I'm going to go down to uh, to Jonestown and check it out." That senator being Leo Ryan from California. And um, should have stayed in Cali. He should have stayed in Cali because uh, well, he takes down there a bunch of bunch of news people and some uh, aides and all that stuff. There's about right. what twenty uh, fifteen people that go with him, something like that, around there. And uh, that's where we leave off or start today with him actually getting there. So, and <sighs> rest of this episode is just going to be crazy shit that's about to happen, guys. Crazy. Try not to be. We'll try not to be. Uh, We'll try not to try too hard to be funny. <laughs> yeah, so Stone or Stone uh, Leo Ryan's on his way there. He finally gets there. They arrive in Guyana. Lane and Gary, who are uh, lawyers for the temple, initially refuse to allow them access to Jonestown. However, however, by the morning of November seventeenth, they informed. This is in nineteen seventy six. By the way, November 17th, 1976, they informed Jones that Ryan would likely leave for Jonestown that afternoon regardless of his willingness. Mm. Ryan's party, accompanied by Lane and Gary, came to an airstrip at Port Katuma, six miles from Jonestown, some hours later. Okay. Because of aircraft seating limitations, only four of the concerned relatives were allowed to accompany the delegation on its flight into Jonestown. Well, at least there's four of them there. Yeah. Well, only Ryan and three others were initially accepted into Jonestown, while the rest of Ryan's group was allowed in after sunset. That night they attended. Why? A, um, it's weird. Maybe they so they can't see everything. 
Yes. That night, they attended a musical reception in the settlement's main pavilion. Yes, and there's a video of it online. Very, very creepy if you know what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> While the party was received warmly, Jones said he felt like a dying man and ranted about government conspiracies and martyrdom. Martyrdom? Right. <laughs> As he decried attacks by the press and his enemies. It was later reported and verified by audio tapes recovered by investigators that Jones had run rehearsals on how to convince Ryan's delegation that everyone was happy and in good spirits. Oh, you but, can tell. If you've ever seen that video, you can definitely tell these people are acting right. and uh, putting on a show for like, sure. Like, hey, man, we're just a, a loving community down here. Let us be. Oh, we all just want to be here. We're on our own volition. They can leave when they want. Mm, well, two temple members, Vernon Gosney, who ends up dying in 2021, and Monica Bagby, who dies in 2009, made the first move for defection that night. In the pavilion, Gosney mistook Harris for Ryan and passed him a note. Who Harris is one of the guys with God, or, uh, Ryan. Passed him a note reading, Dear Congressman, Vernon Gosney and Monica Bagby, please help us get out of Jonestown. A child nearby witnessed Gosney's acts and verbally alerted other temple members. Oh, oh you snitch. Harris brought two notes, one of them Gosney's to Ryan and Spear. Uh, according to Spire, Spear, Spear? In 2006, reading the notes caused her and the congressman to realize that something was very, very wrong. Right. Ryan Spire Dwyer and Anna Bourne stayed the night in Jonestown while other members of the delegation, including the press corps and members of concerned relatives, relatives were told that they had to find other accommodations. Hey. They went to Port Katuma and stayed at a small cafe. So they're just like chilling out over the um, in the actual building. Anna Bourne is the representing Guyana's Ministry of Information. Richard Dwyer is the Deputy Chief Mission of the U.S. Embassy to Guyana. Mm. And Spire is Ryan's then legal advisor. Okay. So, uh, yeah, none of them likes what's going on here. Yeah, they had to go early morning, November 18th. Eleven Temple members sensed danger enough to walk out of Jonesville, Jonestown. Jonesville. <laughs> and all the way to the town of Matthews Ridge in the opposite direction from the airstrip in Port Caratuma. So they went the other way. Those defectors include members of the family of Jonestown's head of security, Joe Wilson. Mm. When journalists and members of the concerned relatives arrived in Jonestown later that day, Marceline, Marceline Jones gave them a tour of the settlement. Acting like everything's all good. All right. We got to put on a show for them for 24 hours, then they'll leave, and then I'm going to kill anybody that uh, <laughs> pretty much, you know. Right. That afternoon, the Parks and the Bogue families, along with in-laws Christopher O'Neill and Harold Cordell, stepped forward and asked to be escorted out of Jonestown by the Ryan delegation. Nice. When Jones' adopted son, Johnny, attempted to talk Jerry Parks out of leaving, Parks told him, no way, it's nothing but a communist prison camp. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Jones gave two of the families, along with Gosney and Bagby, permission to leave. When Harris handed Gosney's note to Jones during an interview in the pavilion, Jones stated that the defectors were lying and wanted to destroy Jonestown. Oh, jeez. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Now it's by any means necessary. Yeah. After a sudden violent rainstorm started, emotional scenes developed between family members. L. Simon, a Native American temple member, attempted to take two of his children to Ryan to process the requisite paperwork for transfer back to the U.S. He's like, take my boys, take my kids. L.'s wife, Bonnie, summoned on the loudspeakers by temple staff, loudly denounced her husband. Oh, my oh, goodness, geez. dude. L. pleaded with Bonnie to return to the United States, but Bonnie rejected his suggestions. No. No, L., what are you doing? This is the best life we've ever had. And Mr. Father Jones. <laughs> Great man. I've only had sex with him 12 times. Jeez. <laughs> well, most of the Ryan delegation began to depart on a large dump truck to, fort, to Port Katuma Airstrip. Ryan and Dwyer stayed behind in Jonestown to process any additional defectors. Shortly before the dump truck left, Temple Loyalist Larry Layton, 
who was the brother of Deborah Layton, demanded to join the group. Ooh. Several defectors voiced their suspicions about Larry Layton's motives. Mm-hmm. Shortly after the dump truck initially departed, Temple member Don Ujara Sly grabbed Ryan while wielding a knife. While Ryan was unhurt, after others wrestled Sly to the ground, Dwyer strongly suggested that the congressman leave while he filed a criminal complaint against Sly. Oh, man. That's what they're doing, weren't they? Well, no, he was trying to stay behind to see if any more people right, wanted to right, leave. Right. Ryan did leave. Promising return later to address the dispute. The truck departed into the airstrip, had stopped after the passengers heard of the attack on Ryan, and took him as a passenger before continuing its journey towards the airstrip. They're trying, let's just go. The entourage had originally scheduled a 19-passenger twin otter from Guiana Airways to fly them back to Georgetown. Because of defectors departing Jonestown, the group grew in number, and now an additional aircraft was required. That's worse when you got to wait. Accordingly, the United States Embassy arranged for a second plane, a six-passenger Cessna. So 19, so they had 25 people total, apparently. When the entourage reached the airstrip between 4.30 and 4.45 p.m., the planes had not appeared as scheduled. The group mm-hmm. had to wait until the aircraft landed at approximately 5.10. Damn. Then the boarding process began. <sighs> only they were there on time. Man. Only they were there on time. Well, Idiot. Layton was a passenger on the Cessna, the first aircraft to set up for takeoff. After the Cessna had taxied to the far end of the airstrip, he produced a handgun oh, and started geez. shooting at the passengers. Oh, no. He wounded Bagby, Bagby and Gosney and tried to kill Dale Parks, who disarmed him after the gun misfired. Nice. Meanwhile, some passengers had boarded the larger Twin Otter, a tractor with a trailer attached, driven by members of the Temple's Red Brigade security squad, arrived at airstrip at the airstrip and approached the Twin Otter. Oh, of course it did. When the tractor neared within approximately 30 feet of the aircraft at a time roughly concurrent with the shootings on the Cessna, the Red Brigade opened fire with shotguns, handguns, and rifles, while at least two shooters circled the plane on foot. There are perhaps nine shooters whose identities are all not certainly known, but more so, most sources agree that Joe Wilson, Stanley Geig, Thomas Keist Sr. and Ronnie Dennis were among them. Right, the main guys. First, the first few seconds of the shooting were captured as an ENG video recording by NBC cameraman Bob Brown, who was killed along with Robinson Harrison Harris and Temple defector Patricia Parks mm. in the few minutes of the shooting. Jeez. Ryan was killed after being shot more than 20 times. Jeez. Jackie Spire, Sung, Dwyer, Reederman, Anthony Cas- Katsaris, Boyd, Oliver, Cross, and Javers, or Javers, however you want to say it, were the nine injured in and around the Twin Otter. Jeez, oh, Pete. I don't think I've ever seen that the ENG video recording of the shooting. Is that I even mean, out there? It's literally like you see the tractor pulling up, and the guys get out start shooting, and the video goes off. Uh, after the shootings, the assistance pilot, Tom Fernandez, along with the pilot and co-pilot of the Twin Otter, Captain Guy Spence, and First Officer, a still Rodwell Paul, as well as the injured Monica Bagby fled into Cessna to Georgetown. Uh, so the other two captains are like, I'm out of here, dude. Right, they got in that little plane. was like, gone. The damaged Twin Otter and the injured Ryan delegation members were left behind on the airstrip. Oh, they're done. I mean, what are you going to do? Done. Before leaving Jonestown for the airstrip, Ryan had told Gary that he would issue a report that would describe Jonestown in basically good terms. Basically good All terms. Right. Huh? Ryan stated that none of the 60 relatives he had targeted for interviews wanted to leave. The 14 defectors constituted a very small portion of Jonestown residents and that any sense of imprisonment the defectors had was likely because of peer pressure and a lack of physical transportation. Uh And even if 200 of the 900 plus wanted to leave, he said, I'd still say you have a beautiful place here. Despite Gary's report, Jones told him, I have failed. Gary reiterated that Ryan would be making a positive report, but Jones maintained that, quote unquote, all is lost. Jones would have been so 
paranoid, dude. Paranoid. All those drugs and shit he's been taking. Right. And, dude, if he wouldn't have been so paranoid, Ryan would have been like... Would have left him alone. I don't know. He could have even let those 14 uh, defectors go. Well, he, right. Go. He could have left them all to go. By the time they would have got back to the U.S., he would have found somewhere else to flee to, and they would have been fine. But no. Let's just kill all 900 hey, people. He wouldn't have had both fleeing because the Congress guy was going to be like, or the senator was going to be like, hey, nothing to see there, guys. Yeah, but now with 14 defectors, that shit was going to pop up even more with the uh, concerned relatives group. You know that? It's true. It's true. After Ryan's departure from Jonestown towards Port Kayatuma, Marceline Jones made a broadcast on the public address system, stating that everything was all right and asking residents to return to their homes. During this time, AIDS prepared a large metal tub with grape flavor aid. <laughs> I didn't even have the decency to give these guys regular Kool-Aid on their way out. I mean, we'll give her flavor they, they did that that quick. They're like, all right, we got to do this now. Now. So they got a large metal tub, and they filled it up with uh, grape flavor aid, poisoned with diphenhydramine, promethazine, chlorophyll, Chloropromazine, chloropromazine, chloroquine, chlorohydrate, volume, and cyanide. You I think needed the cyanide. I think cyanide would have been plenty <laughs> enough, guys. Uh, you needed. Holy hell. The concoction was prepared with the help of Jonestown in-house doctor, Dr. Larry Shant, a Texan native and former addict to uh, methamphetamine, who got sober with the help of Jones, who sub- subsequently paid for his college education to become a doctor. Mm. Shacked had been researching the best ways for a person to die in advance of foreseen mass suicide. Uh, yeah, there's no computers there, else or he would have been caught. Right. About thirty minutes after Marceline's, about thirty minutes after Marceline Jones's announcement, Jim Jones made his own, calling all members immediately to the pavilion. Uh, 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 there it goes. And now uh, there's a forty-four minute death tape they call it, where he speaks right before everybody. Uh, Drinks the Kool-Aid. Right. Which is kind of eerie. You hear kids and shit screaming in the background. Mm-hmm. Weird, 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 weird stuff. A 44-minute cassette tape known as the death tape, which I just said, records part of the meeting Jones and Jones called inside the pavilion in the early evening of November 18th. When the assembly gathered, referring to the Ryan delegation's air travel back to Georgetown, Jones told the gathering, one of those people on that plane is going to shoot the pilot. I know that. I didn't plan it, but I know it's going to happen. Yeah, right. They're going to shoot that pilot, and down comes the plane into the jungle, and we had better not have any of our children left when it's over because they'll parachute in here on us. Mm. Right. Maybe he was planning on for, they should have just, why did he open fire while they were still on the runway? Right. Anyways. Jeez. That screwed up their whole operation. Man. Parroting Jones's prior statements that hostile forces would convert captured children to fascism. (laughs) One temple member stated, the ones that they take captured, they're going to just let them grow up and be dummies. Big old dummies. On the tape, Jones urged Temple members to commit revolutionary suicide. Such an act had been planned by the Temple before, and according to Jonestown defectors, its theory was you can go down in history saying you chose your own way to go and it's your commitment to refuse capitalism and in support of socialism. Hmm. All these for, like, political ideologies, too, dude. It's fucking retarded. Temple member Christine Miller argued that the temple should alternatively attempt to airlift to the Soviet Union. Jim McElvain, a former therapist who had arrived in Jonestown only two days earlier, oh, jeez, assisted Jones by arguing against Miller's resistance to suicide, stating, let's make it a beautiful day, and later citing possible reincarnation. Oh, Oh, my. 
After several exchanges in which Jones argued that a Soviet exodus would not be possible, along with reactions by other Temple members hostile to Miller, she backed down. Mm. However, However. Miller, may, Miller, <laughs> Miller may have seized dissenting when Jones confirmed at one point that the congressman has been murdered after the airstrip shooters returned. <sighs> hmm. Jeez. Dude, you're not telling me every single one of those guys wanted to do that. No, of course not. But they did. Yeah, because they probably thought it was another. Nah, I don't think so. Not this time. Not this time, huh? When the Red Brigade members came back to Jonestown after Ryan's murder, Tim Carter, a Vietnam veteran, recalled them having the thousand-yard stare of weary soldiers. After Jones confirmed that the congressman was dead, no dissent is heard on the death tape. Mm, they're all like, well, <laughs> we're dead. Well, by this point, armed guards had taken up positions around surrounding the pavilion area. Oh, geez. Directly after this, Jones stated that the Red Brigade's the only one that made any sense anyway, and that the Red Brigade showed them justice. In addition to McElvane, McElvane, in addition to McElvane, several other Temple members gave speeches praising Jones and his decision to community to commit suicide. He was like, "This is great. Why just keep? Why live? <laughs> just die." Even after Jones stopped appreciating this praise and begged for the process to go faster, he's like, all right, can we just kill ourselves, please? (laughs) (laughs) According to Escape Temple member Odell Rhodes, the first to take the poison were Roletta Paul and her one-year-old infant. Oh, jeez. A syringe without a needle fitted was used to squirt poison into the infant's mouth, after which Paul squirted another syringe into her own mouth. Stanley Clayton also witnessed mothers with their babies first approach the tub containing the poison. Jeez. Clayton said that Jones, that Jones approached people to encourage them to drink the poison, and that after adults saw the poison begin to take effect, they showed a reluctance to die. Oh, obviously. Well, no shit. If they're all standing in line, and now they're just watching these people fall over. The whole point of it is everybody do it at the same time, right? You would think they're all 900 people in a single file line, and oh, they my. start dropping dead. Well, you're like you're like two thirds of the way back, and these guys are dropping dead. I'm like, no. Like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> yes, oh boy. I can't wait. <laughs> The poison caused death within five minutes for children, Jeez. less for babies. An estimated 20, 30 minutes. So now all these people that took them, that gave it to their babies, they just watch all their kids die. die right? And then now, oh, jeez. After consuming the poison, after consuming the poison, according to Rhodes, people were then escorted away down a wooden walkway leading outside the pavilion. It is not clear if some initially thought the exercise was another white night rehearsal. I bet some did. Rhodes reported being in close contact with dying children. Jeez. In response to reactions of seeing the poison take effect on others, Jones is counseled, die with a degree of dignity. Lay down your life with dignity. Don't lay down with tears and agony. He also said, I tell you, I don't care how many screams you hear. I don't care how many anguished cries. Death is a million times preferable to ten more days of this life. Why ten? Right. If you knew. Like one more day. Right. That's how serious it is. Right. Ten more days, I can do that. It might get better. (laughs) Right. If you knew what was ahead of you, if you knew what was ahead of you, you'd be glad to be stepping over tonight. (sighs) Rhodes described a scene of both hysteria and confusion as parents watched their children die from the poison. He also stated that most present quietly waited their own turn to die and that many of the assembled temple members walked around like they were in a trance. Survivor Tim Carter has suggested that, like a previous practice, that days... That that day's lunch of grilled cheese sandwiches may have been tainted with sa- sedatives. Oh. Um, 
This crowd was surrounded by armed guards offering members the basic dilemma of death by poison or death by a guard's hand. So all these guards are watching this, too. Mm-hmm. Cries and scream of children and adults were easily heard on the tape recording made. As more temple members died, eventually the guards themselves were called in to die by poison. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I think I'm done there, right? Yeah. You're the ones with the guns. All right. Any of the... Well, I don't think so, Mr. Jim Jones. <laughs> I don't think so, bud. Jones was found dead, lying next to his chair in the pavilion between two other bodies, his head cushioned by a pillow. His death was caused by a gunshot wound to his left temple that the Guyanese chief medical examiner, Leslie Mutu, stated was consistent with being self-inflicted. Yeah. Well, what are the... This guy, he'd rather shoot himself in the head than take the poison. And suffer. The events of Jonestown constituted the greatest single loss of American civilian life in a deliberate act until the incidents of 9-11. Jeez, dude. Three high-ranking Temple survivors claimed they were given an assignment and thereby escaped death. Tim Carter and his brother Mike, age 30 and 20 respectively, and Mike Prokes, 31, were given luggage chain in 555000 in U.S. currency, 130000 in Guyanese currency, and an envelope which they were told to deliver to the Soviet embassy in Georgetown. The envelope contained two passports and three instructional letters, the first of which was to Timofeyev, stating, Dear Comrade, the following is a letter of instruction regarding all of our assets that we want to leave the Communist Party of Union of Soviet Social Republics. Enclosed in this letter are letters, <laughs> in this letter are letters which instruct the banks to send the cashier's checks to you. I'm doing this on behalf of the People's Temple because we, as communists, want our money to be a benefit for help to oppress peoples all over the world or in <laughs> any way that your decision-making body sees fit. Uh, you know how they see fit? Put it in their own pocket. That's probably what they did. I still just can't get over the fact how much of a coward this Jim Jones guy is. That's what he usually is. Wow. So did he watch all these people die first and then blow his head off? or? Probably, well, I'm assuming most of them anyways. There was a pillow underneath his head. I'm assuming after he killed himself, somebody put it under there. Right. Jeez. The letters included lists, accounts with balances to totaling in excess of $7.3 million to be transferred to the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. Prokes and the Carter brothers soon ditched most of the money and were apprehended heading for a temple boat at Port Kaituma. It is unknown how they reached Georgetown, 150 miles away, since the boat had been sent away earlier that day. The brothers were given the task before the suicides began and soon abandoned it when they realized what was about to happen. Tim Carter desperately tried to search for his wife and son, discovering his son in time to witness him being poisoned. Oh, jeez. And his wife killing herself in despair. Jeez. At this point, Carter had a nervous breakdown and was pulled away from the village by an equally distraught brother. Jeez. Just before the start of the final meeting in the pavilion, Gary and Lane were told that the people were angry with them. Why? The lawyers were escorted to a house used to accommodate visitors. According to them, they talked their way past two armed guards. Oh, so the lawyers, they talked their way past two armed guards and made it to the jungle before eventually arriving in Port Katuma. Oh, no. Uh, while in the jungle near the sediment, they heard gunshots. Um, so the lawyers that, like, were enabling Jim Jones and all this shit, they're like, yeah, I'm not doing none of this. They're like, no, you do what you do, man. We're just here yeah, for man, We're just legal counsel. <laughs> legal counsel. I'm not in this. I'm not in your little stuff here. I'm a capitalist. <laughs> right. <laughs> This observation, this observation concurs with the testimony of Clayton, who had previously fled into the jungle, heard the same sounds as he was sneaking back into Jonestown's to retrieve his passport. Rose volunteered to fetch a stethoscope and, and hid under uh, a building. Two more people were intended to be poisoned managed to survive. Grover Davis, 79-year-old, who was hearing impaired, 
missed the announcement to assemble on the loudspeaker, lay down in a ditch and pretended to be dead. Hyacinth? Hi, hi, hyacinth? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hyacinth. H-Y-A-C-I-N-T-H. Hyacinth. Hyacinth. Hyacinth Thrash. 76 years old. That's a hell of a name. (laughs) Realized that it was happening and crowd under her bed. Only to walk out after the poisonings Jeez, were completed. Could you imagine being her, dude, getting out and everybody just laying on top of each other? Jeez. Can't believe there was only two of them that didn't go. Well, there was a few more that were in the jungle. And right. The only medical doctor to initially examine the scene at Jonestown was Mutu, who visually examined over 200 bodies and later told a Guyanese coroner's jury of having seen needle marks on at least 70. Huh. However... No determination was made as to whether these injections initiated the re- in the initiated the indu- however no determination was made as to whether these injections initiated the introduction of poison or whether they were so-called relief injections to quicken death and reduce suffering from convulsions from those who had previously taken it. Right. I mean, poison has got to be if you don't die instantly, that's got to be painful. I mean, it shuts down everything, dude. It, it hurts. You're going one by one. Mm. Mutu and American pathologist Lynn Crook determined that cyanide was present in some bodies, while analysis of the contents of the vat revealed several tranquilizers as well as potassium cyanide and potassium chloride. Hmm. Hmm. And this guy just had all kinds of shit. I know. Jeez. Plastic cups, flavor aid packets, syringes, some with needles, some without, litter the area where the bodies were found. Mutu concluded that a gunshot wound to Annie Moore could not have been self-inflicted, so somebody shot her in the head. Though Moore had also ingested a lethal dose of cyanide. Uh, she was probably, she. I I bet you she was shutting down. Everything was just going. She was like, shoot me. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Guy in these 30s waived their requirement for autopsies in the case of unnatural death. Doctors in the United States perform autopsies on only seven bodies, including those of Jones, Moore, Lawrence Schacht, and Carolyn Layton. Moore and Layton were selected among those autopsied in part because of the urging of the Moore family, including Rebecca Moore, the sister of the two victims, who was not a temper member herself. Jeez. Found near Marceline Jones' body was a typewritten note dated November 18, 1978, um, signed by Marceline and witnessed by Moore and Maria Katsarius, stating, I, Marceline Jones, leave all bank assets in my name to the Communist Party of the USSR. The above bank accounts are located in the Bank of Nova Scotia and the Nassau, Bahamas. Please be sure that these assets do get to the USSR. I especially request that none of these are allowed to get into the hands of my adopted daughter, Suzanne Jones Cartmel. For anyone who finds this letter, please honor this request as it is most important to myself and my husband, James W. Jones. Hmm. I don't know if that's... Uh, I don't think you have to honor that. <laughs> I don't think that's a legal uh, no. legal will. 
That's to be notarized, right? I don't. Who cares? Rip it up. All right, burn it. Moore also left a note, which in part stated, "I'm at a point right now, so embittered against the world, that I don't know why I'm writing this. <laughs> Someone who finds it will believe I am crazy, or believe in the barbed wire that does not exist in Jonestown." The last line: "We died because you would not let us live in peace." Mm. Is written in different color ink. Wow. And you probably put that at the end. Right? Yeah. No other specific references is made to the events of this day. Moore also wrote, Jonestown in humongous <laughs> letters, the most peaceful, loving community that ever existed. Yeah, peaceful and loving. Let's just all kill ourselves. Right. In addition, she stated, Jim Jones in big letters, <laughs> the one who made this paradise possible. Much to the contrary of the lies stated about Jim Jones being a power hungry, sadistic, mean person who thought he was God of all things. Mm. And his hatred of racism, sexism, elitism, and mainly classism is what prompted him to make a new world for the people. A paradise in the jungle. The children loved it. So did everyone else. Well, not apparently everybody else. And elitism, he basically was. Was, right. <laughs> and sexist. Uh, well. Maybe racist. Probably. Found near Caroline Layton's body was a handwritten note signed by Layton, witnessed by Kat Saris and Moore. These two were uh, the witnesses for all of those. Sounds like a little fishy to me. Right. Dated November 18th, 1978, stating, This will be my last will and testament. I hereby leave all my assets in, my, in any bank account to which I am signatory to the Communist Party of the USSR. Oh. Jeez, dude. Deaths in Georgetown are the following. In the early evening, obviously, uh... Oh, in the early evening of November 18th at the Temple's headquarters in Georgetown, Temple member Sharon Amos received a radio communication from Georgetown instructing the members at the headquarters to take revenge on the Temple's enemies and then commit revolutionary suicide. Later, after police arrived at the headquarters, Sharon escorted her children, Leanne, Krista, Leanne, 21 years old, Krista, 11, and Martin, 10, into a bathroom. Wielding a kitchen knife, Sharon first killed Krista and then Martin. Then uh, Leanne assisted Sharon in killing herself with the knife, after which Leanne killed herself with the knife. Jeez. Stephen, Tim, and Jim Jr. eventually found them dead after they arrived at the Temple headquarters in their efforts to return to Jonestown to stop the suicide. Oh, jeez. Man, these people were brainwashed. Yeah, you fucking... Especially doing it with a knife? Right, they didn't even take poison. They just like, all right. Stupid. Get the suicide knife. (laughs) Right, they got it all, like, specially wrapped. Jeez. Jeez. At the airstrip... Readerman photographed the aftermath of the shootings. Dwyer assumed leadership at the scene. And his recommendation, Larry Layton, was arrested by Guyanese police. I think it would be more than a recommendation. Right. Dwyer was grazed by a bullet in his buttocks <laughs> during the shootings. It took several hours before the 11 wounded and others in their party gathered themselves together. Most of them spent the night in Port Keatuma Cafe. The more seriously wounded slept in a small tent on the airstrip. Jeez. A Guyanese government plane arrived the following morning to evacuate the wounded. Jeez, how where is uh, Kayatuma? <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Uh, five teenage members of the Parks and Bogue families, with one boyfriend, followed the instructions of followed the instructions of defector Gerald Parks to hide in the adjacent jungle until help arrived and their safety was assured. Thereafter, that group was lost for three days in the jungle and nearly died. Oh, jeez. Guyanese soldiers eventually found them. Wow. After escaping Jonestown, Rhodes arrived in Port Katuma on the night of November 18th. That night, Clayton stayed with a local Guyanese family and traveled to Port Katuma the next morning. Uh, Prokes and the Carter brothers were put into protective custody in Port Katuma. They were later released in Georgetown with Rhodes, Clayton, Gary, and Lane were also brought to Georgetown. 
Prokes died by suicide on March 14, 1979, I mean, a during a press then. conference. I mean, during died by suicide on March 14th during a press conference four months after the Jonestown incident. Four months. What did he do? Oh, jeez. Did he shoot himself in, on live TV or something? Or did he poison himself before he went on? Oh, my. Jeez. In all, 914 of the 918 dead, including Jones himself, were collected by the United States military in Guyana, then transported by a military cargo plane to Dover Air Force Base in Delaware. And location had been used previously for mass processing of the dead from the Tenerife Airport disaster. Well, what happened there? Uh, March 27, 1977, two Boeing 747s, holy crap, collided on the runway at Los Rodeos Airport on the Spanish island of Tenerife. 583 dead. Deadliest accident in aviation history. Wow. Okay. Where is that? Spain? They transferred uh, all the way to the United States. I'm sure there was Americans on the flight. Right. Interesting. Never heard of that before. Right. The last shipment of bodies arrived early on the morning of 27th November, 1978. The base's mortuary was asked, was tasked with fingerprinting, identifying, and processing the bodies. The base's resources were overwhelmed, and numerous individuals tasked with moving or identifying the bodies suffered symptoms of PTSD. I'm sure. Jeez, oh, Pete. In many yeah. Women and children. Mm-hmm. In many cases, responsibility for cremation of the remains was distributed to the Dover area funeral homes. Oh, man. In August 2014, the never claimed cremated remains of nine people from Jonestown were found in a former funeral home in Dover. Hmm. Never claimed. As wow. of September 2014, four of their remains had been returned to the next of kin, and the remaining five had not. Wow. Those five were publicly identified in the hope that the family would clean the remains. All five remain unclaimed by family and have been interred at the Jonestown Memorial at Evergreen Cemetery in Oakland, California, along with the remains of approximately half of those who died that day. Jeez. A whole cemetery for themselves. Pretty much, dude. Larry Layton, who had fired a gun at several people aboard the Cessna, was initially found not guilty of attempted <laughs> murder in Guyanese court. Uh, employing the defense that he was brainwashed. I mean, I guess, but shit. Wow. Acquittal in a Guyanese court did not free Layton, though, who was promptly deported back to the United States, arrested by the U.S. Marshal Service upon arrival in San Fran. Layton could not be tried in the United States for the attempted murders of Gosney Bagby. But he could for the Congress guy, though. And the Cessna pilot on Guyanese soil, and was instead tried under a federal statue against Uh assassinating members of Congress and internationally protected people. Okay. Yup. He was convicted of conspiracy and of aiding and abetting the murder of Ryan and of attempted murder of Dwyer. Paroled in 2002 is the only person ever to have been held criminally responsible for the events. Wow. Wow. I mean, everybody else is dead. It's not like they could do anything. Right. But the two lawyers didn't even get nothing with them? I guess not. Wow. They're lawyers, right? I mean, they were just... God, yeah, I don't know. The event was covered heavily by the media, and the photographs pertaining to it adorned newspaper and magazine covers for months. It was labeled a cult of death by both Time and Newsweek. Mm. In February 1979, 98% of Americans polled said they have heard of the tragedy. Jeez. George Gallup stated that few events, in fact, in the entire history of the Gallup poll have been known to such a high percentage of the U.S. public. Right. right. Yeah. 98% of Americans polled wouldn't even know presidential candidates. No. So that's crazy, dude. Right. right. Jeez. After the deaths, both the House Committee on Foreign Affairs and the United States State Department itself criticized the latter's handling of the temple. Guyanese political opposition seized the opportunity to embarrass Prime Minister Burnham by establishing an inquest, which concluded that Burnham was responsible for the deaths at Jonestown. Of course he was. I mean, he he let it go on there. He did. The Cult Awareness Network, 
a group aimed at deprogramming members of cults, was formed soon after. The group, which included Congressman Ryan's daughter, Patricia, was involved in various personnel, social, and legal battles with a range of religious organizations. From the Family International and Scientology, Scientology to David Koresh's Branch Davidians, where they were found to be influential on law enforcement's concerns for children in the eventual Waco siege in 1993. Mm-hmm. After a slew of legal and fiscal issues, um, CAN disbanded in 1996, which is the Call Awareness Network. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but Waco is nothing near Jonestown. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Well, pretty much the same. Yeah, I don't know. He was, David Koresh was brainwashing people just like that, and literally, everybody that went there, he banged your wife. Right. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> he had kids with people's wives and shit right. while he was there, dude. Like, yeah, this dude was weird. Yeah. Uh, in late February 1980, Alan Jean Mills were co-founders of the Concerned Relatives, and their daughter Daphne were shot and killed oh. execu- execution style in their Berkeley, California home. Really? And their daughter. Uh, Eddie Mills, Alan Jean's son, was believed to be involved to the extent that he was arrested in 2005, but charges were not filed against them. Okay. Case has not been solved. In 1984, former Temple member Tyrone Mitchell, who had lost both of his parents and five siblings at Jonestown, Fired upon students at a Los Angeles elementary school from a second-story window, killing two people and injuring 12. Jeez. Mitchell then turned his weapon on himself and committed suicide. Man. <sighs> Doesn't only affect the people that it happened to at the fucking, uh, at the freaking uh, Jonestown. Jeez, OP. Apparently. Well, the whole sheer scale of the event, as well as Jones' socialism, purported inconsistencies in the reported number of deaths. Allegedly poor explanation of events related to the said deaths. An existence of classified documents led to some conspiracy theories to suggest CIA involvement. Uh, well, including a Soviet-published book a decade later, the House of Permanent, permanent, the House of Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence investigated the event and announced that there was no evidence of CIA involvement. <laughs> of course, why found. would they announce there was? Of course, there wasn't. Jeez. Others suggested KGB involvement beyond the attested visits of Soviet diplomatic personnel to Jonestown and the overtures made by Jim Jones to USSSS. Why do they want to kill him if these guys were giving him money and stuff? Right. That doesn't make any sense. Come on, man. The bodies of over 400 of those who died are buried in a mass grave at Evergreen Cemetery in Oakland, like we said. In 2011, a memorial to them was erected at the cemetery. In a mass Although, grave. Although, mass grave. I don't know. Maybe not. Um... Although Jones used poisoned flavor aid, the drink mix was also commonly referred to as Kool-Aid. You drinking the Kool-Aid? Yeah, drinking <laughs> That's the Kool-Aid. That's the phrase, you drinking the Kool-Aid. Referring to the person or group holding an unquestioned belief, argument, or philosophy without critical examination. examination. Oh, uh, Detroit Lions fans know all about drinking Kool-Aid. Drinking that, drinking that Honolulu Blue. Uh, Honolulu Blue Aid. Blue, blue Kool-Aid. And it wasn't even Kool-Aid, it was flavor aid. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Right, what I'm saying. saying. Drinking the old flavor aid. 1979. Joseph Hollinger. Oh, for- Kool-Aid probably was pissed, dude. No, I don't. Like, it wasn't even us, man. Stop <laughs> yeah, it. Right. They say they should have started packaging their stuff, not used at Jonestown. <laughs> not, 
<laughs> Not the Jonestown guy. Not the Jonestown stuff, guys. <sighs> 1979, Joseph Hollinger, a former aide to Congressman Leo Ryan, claimed that Jonestown was a mass mind control experiment conducted by the CIA, and we oh, all know they've done that before. Maybe it was, dude. Mm. I mean, we all know about that. Right. That Especially happened. in the... It's just Cold War time still, too, so... Yeah. Uh, what they call it? M- M- uh, MK Ultra? Yeah. Jeez. A 1980 newspaper column by Jack Anderson also claimed that CIA was involved in Jonestown Massacre and speculated that Deputy Chief of Mission of the United States Embassy to Guyana, Richard Dwyer, Dwyer, had ties to the CIA. He was there and almost got killed. Right. Well... Shot me in my ass. Right. 1980. An investigation by the United States House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence <laughs> found zero Once evidence again, of CIA activity in Jonestown. Because they wouldn't admit it if there was. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Until maybe now. Like, well, 50-year sealed or something. Right. Guess what? <laughs> so it <laughs> yeah. so turns out. Uh, you guys are going to get kicked out of this one. <laughs> in 1987, the Jones- Jonestown Carnage, a CIA crime. Um, was published in the Soviet Union claiming that group members were assassinated by CIA agents and mercenaries to prevent further political immigration from the U.S. as well as to suppress opposition to the U.S. regime. Hmm. Regime. Political scientist Janos Radvani cites the book as an example of Soviet active measures during the 80s that spread both disinformation stories and enemy propaganda against the United States. Okay. Adding, it's hard to imagine that anyone could believe so ridiculous a story. All right. Well... Maybe not in 1987, people can't, but fast forward 30 years, and it's fucking freaking believable. <laughs> right. Uh, according to religious studies scholar Rebecca Moore, in the 23 years since the deaths in Jonestown, conspiracy theories have blossomed in number and sophistication. Oh, jeez. Mm. Oh, I want to see some evidence. Right. Now deserted, the compound at Jonestown was first tended by the Guyanese government following the deaths. The government then allowed its reoccupation by Hmong refugees <laughs> from Laos. Hmong. Uh, for a few years in the early 1980s. Man, why would you do that? Right. You know how haunted that place is? If there was things like that, which there are, <laughs> it's very haunted. The buildings and grounds were loaded. Loaded. <laughs> they were loaded. Loaded. With loaded looters. <laughs> loaded with looters. <laughs> the and bi- the looters were loaded. <laughs> the, <laughs> trying too hard. Stop. <laughs> right. The buildings and grounds were looted by local Guyanese people. Well, wouldn't they be if they're Guyanese? No. But we're not taken over because of their association well, with be, the mass killing. Uh, I mean, they're local Guyanese, not from a far away Guyanese. Right. They just went over there, and uh, they didn't want to stay there. Obviously not. The buildings were mostly destroyed. Dude, by right. Fire Imagine, and like, every yeah. single one of those houses, probably all their belongings are still there. And, and, oh, well, they burned it also. After which the ruins were left to decay and be reclaimed by the jungle. So the earth is sucked up Jonestown. Buildings were mostly destroyed by fire, yeah. During a visit to tape a segment for ABC News show 2020 and 98, Jim Jones Jr., Jim Jones Jr., the adopted son of the cult leader, discovered the rusting remains of an oil drum near the former entrance to the pavilion. Jones recognized the drum originally adapted for use during mealtimes as a drum used for drink mixtures during the white night exercises, mm. and which he believed was used to hold the beverage of beverage mix of poison and grape-flavored punch during the events. Wouldn't they have taken that? Yeah. You think so, right? Right. 2003, with the help of uh, Gary... Is it Jerry or Gary? I think it could be either Gary or Jerry. Right. I think it's Jerry. With the help of Jerry Jovia, a pilot involved in Jonestown cleanup, a television crew recording a special for the 25th anniversary of the event returned to the site to uncover any remaining artifacts. Although the site was covered with dense vegetation, the team uncovered a standing cassava, a cassava 
cassava mill. Cassava? Cassava mill? Possibly the largest remaining structure. The remains of a, of a tractor. Spec- what, what was that? I think this was used to uh, mill some kind of local plant that was there. Uh, the remains of a tractor speculated to be the same tractor used by the airstrip shooters. I don't think it's not. No. All right. A generator, a filing cabinet, a truck near the sites of Jones' house, a fuel pump, and other smaller miscellaneous items. Jovia also led the team to the former site of the pavilion, where they found the remains of a steel drum, an organ, and a bed of daisies growing where the bodies once lay. <sighs> Never has the term pushing up daisies. Well, I guess they didn't die and get buried there, but right. it's kind of crazy. Still, daisies are there. Um, wow. Where the red fern grows. It's crazy stuff. Nuts. This whole uh, whole thing. Just see, once again, though, like speculated to be the tractor that they use like how wh- none of these people that were down there investigating all this stuff Nobody wouldn't have knows. been like hey this is the this is the tractor yeah i don't think the guy needs to even ex- uh, investigate anything did they apparently not Jeez, just okay. took the bodies and said bye yeah 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 well i guarantee plus the guyanese government probably went through each and every one of those houses and took anything that was valuable all right guarantee it Crazy stuff. Um, United States investigating anything that's only going to be where they found Ryan at the airport. Yeah, I don't, I, about I, it. I don't even know if any United States officials came to the site afterwards. They wouldn't even have jurisdiction, so why would they? There's no need for it. Um, yeah, this is part two of Jonestown. Everything from uh, beginning to end to this one was pretty messed up. Pretty well, much started out with death. Death. And ended with death. And ended um, with yeah, there's like I said, there's the video of... Ryan arriving at the uh, Jonestown and the festival that they threw the night before all this stuff happened. And Plus, there's video of them leaving on the dump truck, and then like in the very very background, you can see like a little scuffle happen, and that's when people think um, he gets attacked by the guy with the knife, and then they turn around to go get him, and then uh, they show people at the airport like getting onto the planes, and then that like ten second video of the shooting before the camera stops. Right. And then there's also that 44-minute death tape to uh, listen to if you want to uh, be sick, I guess. (laughs) Um, So all that stuff you can go listen to on your own. And uh, apparently uh, conspiracy theories that probably should be looked into a little bit more and studied on that part. So you guys can do all that. And mind controlling stuff. Mind controlling yeah. CIA. Trying to uh, blame everything on the Russians. Let's see what kind of other evidence we got out there of maybe them being involved. Did the Russians ever admit being uh, sympathizers of these guys or what? Jim Jones? Well, that guy, Timothy. That's about it. Timothy. Yeah. That was his name? Timothy. Timothy Aviv. Timothy Aviv. What was he doing, though? He was something. Fyodor Timofeyev, a counsel for the Soviet Union in Georgetown. He visited there many times, so he was a counsel for the Soviet Union. So obviously they knew of him. All that good stuff. So, yeah, maybe lots of stuff to uh, look out and garden regarding the conspiracies. But still, largest mass suicide in, I believe, world history. I don't think there's been any uh, mass suicide that big since then. And... Uh, as you heard, largest largest loss of American life at one time since up then, up until then, until the November 11th attack. So crazy, or September 11th, November 11th, September 11th attacks. So um, lots of crazy stuff going on here, as usual. Crazy stuff we end with. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week for either 
Yeah, I'm not going to promise nothing. You know, we'll be back next week <laughs> for another episode of Outlaws and Gunslingers. We are the Mouth of Michiganders with... Bing, dang. <laughs>